It's Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia radio show. And, you know, one of the things that we always like to do is we always like to get on board early with artists that we hear that we think are going to bring something brand new and fresh and that we think that you guys are really, really going to like and happen to be lucky enough to be sent some material from a new artist that's coming out named Anna Moon. And I immediately took a listen to it and I thought, oh my gosh, this stuff is this stuff is really, really good. We probably should get an interview with her and just kind of get a little bit of perspective about who she is and where she's coming from and get a little bit of her story so that when she blows up on the radio, which is inevitable apparently, we are going to be in a situation where we got there first. <laughs> and so it is with great pleasure that I welcome to the airwaves Miss Anna Moon. <laughs> hey, what's going on? So, you know, your story is a little bit unknown to most people because you're obviously brand new. You got a, uh, you're working on a uh, a new album that's going to be coming out, and you've been kind of pushing out a little bit of singles. I think there's there's a few singles out there now: Mr. Valentine, Triple X, and Cry which are all a very, very different yeah. different songs. And and actually, during this interview process, I'll actually layer these songs behind so that people can actually hear a little bit of it while you're speaking. But kind of give people a little bit of your story and where you started out and how you got to be in this position right now where you're actually where you're writing some of these songs or your husband is writing some of these songs. Kind of give me a little bit of these backgrounds of what's going on. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, um, I grew up in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And when I was younger, I've always loved music. And my grandmother was a jazz pianist. And so growing up, I was always around music uh, whenever I would go visit her. But when I was around eight years old is when I really, when the light bulb really turned on. And it's because there was a small theater in my hometown of Cartersville, Georgia, just 30 minutes north of Atlanta. And every summer they would do a theater camp. And one summer I, you know, begged my mom, begged my mom, and I got to go. And it was my first time being on a stage, being in front of an audience. It was a musical, so it was the first time I was singing in front of people. And I remember after that, that summer, I knew that I had to figure out a way to be back on a stage, you know what I mean? I knew that, that the spotlight, the heat of the room and everything, like that was where I wanted to be. And so that was really the, the spark that lit the flame, if you will. And so the next few years following, I continued to do that theater camp. And then eventually I got a guitar for Christmas and, you know, eventually started writing songs. And, you know, I'm fast forwarding a bit. But yeah, I eventually went down a rabbit hole of, finding artists like Billie Holiday and Frank Sinatra and Judy Garland and that's what really inspired me to create you know the sound of the music I'm releasing right now more artists like that and I really wanted to create something that was kind of a collaboration of old and new so everything that I had found from the past that inspired me as well as everything you know growing up as a 24 year old in Atlanta kind of was hearing and was around and so, you know, going into making the album, I really wanted to kind of mix those worlds in a way that I hadn't heard before. And you mentioned my husband. I was super lucky enough. Uh, uh, these days on pop albums, you know, there's 100 writers on every song. <laughs> right. Probably, you know. Yeah. I was really lucky to find a producer who I really meshed with really well. His name's Jamie Kinney. He's here in Nashville. 
And uh, my husband actually, and us three wrote every song on the album. And in fact, there wasn't one song that we wrote in our time together that isn't on the album. So every song, when we decided we were going to write this album, made it onto the album. And you, that's just so unheard of. I mean, typically artists have, you know, 500 songs they're pulling from. But we just had such a clear vision. And I, I knew so vividly exactly what I wanted this to be that it was almost like so easy every day. We were like, okay, this is what... We really want to, this is the kind of color we want to add to the rainbow today, you know? And so it was an amazing experience. And I think you can hear in the music that, you know, it's very vulnerable, it's very intimate. And that's because it was just us three every day writing those songs. So that's a little bit about me. You can definitely ask me whatever. I know I kind of skimmed over a couple of years there, but just that's the short. <laughs> no, and that's fine. You know, I think it's the whole songwriting process kind of intrigues me because... You know, you hear some of these songs that are that are major on the radio, and it's just it's really shocking to me because you know you hear some songs like from, you know, like Rihanna's Diamonds or whatever, and you go, oh, that's such a great song, and then you don't find out until years later that it is, you know, it was written by Sia, or it's just, yeah. And, and so that whole process, I mean, does does anybody in your songwriting trio between yourself and your husband and Jamie Kenny? Do any of you have, you know, a- any type of uh, a track record or, or breakthroughs with, with fame or, you know, how does that songwriting process, do you kind of, or do you feel like that kind of thing actually limits you? Do you feel like there's a little bit more freedom in just having three songwriters in a room and just kind of going at it? Or is that, what appeals to you about that whole process? Yeah, well, uh, a couple things, you know, first of all, to kind of understand us three as a trio, it's like, My producer, Jamie Kinney, comes from a background of his whole family was jazz musicians. So he really was able to bring this intelligence, if you will, of the jazz history and in terms of like what chords and what type of instrument to put on the music. And then my husband actually has had a lot of success in the country writing world. He wrote a lot of the Zach Brown Band songs and, you know, he has the Rascal Flatts single out now. And so he really brought this amazing storytelling element to the room. As well as myself, you know, I grew up, since I grew up in the South, the first few songs that I ever wrote when I was a kid were country-leaning because that was kind of also the environment I was in. And so my storytelling process when it comes to songs kind of started in in almost like a country folk space, you know. But also, I I would say that to the room, I brought the vision and the direction. So I think it was just kind of the the perfect pair of like all the three elements. You know, they say the triangle is the strongest shape. And I think that we really, you know, had our own points that, that we brought and made this really strong team. But in the future, I don't really have any, uh, I don't really have any, it's not like I wouldn't write with other people. You know, I'm a huge believer in collaboration. And I think that there's such a beautiful thing that happens when two creative minds come together. So that's just the way it happened for this first album, you know, and and I'm so happy that it did. But moving forward, I'm not, it's not that I have uh, any type of restraint, I guess, if you will. Well, you know, I, I find it interesting because, you know, as far as Zach Brown Band is concerned, I, I have two friends that are actually in that band, Clay Cook and John Hopkins. And you want to talk about two, oh, yeah, I love both two amazing songwriters. I mean, I've known John back when he was doing his own original project called Brighter Shade here in Atlanta and started many, many years ago. And I used to put on these music festivals and he would be there and just... His level of songwriting and that and that whole project before it clicked together during an Atlantis Music Festival thing back in like the 90s, it was just 
amazing to kind of watch them kind of culminate and start pulling together those little pieces. And I think what's interesting in what you just said with your husband having some success in, because I know as far as that songwriting team is concerned between Clay and John specifically, that they are very, very meticulous about the songs that they pick and what they want to use and who they want to, you know, to utilize. And so your music writing skills have got to be really, really strong to even be on their radar. So what the interesting part, which I'm, I keep saying and I don't get around to, is that you have that country element to it, that southern fried kind of country element to it. You have Jamie Kennedy, who's stationed in Nashville, who has had his touch on a lot of country. But out of the songs that you have released, out of the songs that, have, that I've heard, there is not a country tinge to be found anywhere on it. I mean, you had... Uh, I mean, I, so is is there a particular reason for that? Was that a, no, was that a specific avoidance, or are you? I mean, you're just saying no. That's not the focus of this album. <laughs> or, or how did it, how did No Country end up on this album? Or or is there some, and we just haven't heard it yet? No, I mean, I'm not a country artist, so that's why that is. And also, you know, what's interesting though, and, and why I brought up Nico, you know, having success in the country world is, I think country music is where some of the best songwriting can be found. And so if you think of my songs in terms of the songwriting, and whenever I play my songs, people always say, oh man, I can see the video for that. And there's a reason. It's because these songs are stories and they're meant to be visual. And that craft comes from country music. But there's definitely, this is not a country album. This is a pop album, 100%. And it has a touch of jazz. So there's definitely no Southern elements in any way, but just the craft in and of itself of songwriting, we are really inspired by the storytelling of Nashville and of, you know, kind of this whole world over here. Right. Yeah. But, well, for those yeah. wondering who Nico is, Nico is her husband. I don't think we mentioned his name in this whole process. We just kept saying your husband, her husband. Oh, yeah. My husband's name is Nico Moon. Nico Moon. Nico Moon, yeah. For, for those trying yeah. to figure out who yeah. Because some people's mind gets caught on something. They say something and go, well, wait a minute, I don't remember that. That's Nico Moon is this name. So, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, what's really interesting, whenever I write a song, you can totally hear that I've been a part of it. And actually, I had the pleasure to write a song with Nico and Zach on one of Zach's albums called Mango Tree. And it's one of the only songs Zach has ever done that's big band. And yeah. it's super jazz, and you can totally hear, you know, the fact that I was a part of it. I think that's so funny because he did such a great rendition of, of like, that big band style. So I just thought that would be really fun just for anybody listening. If, if they wanted to hear my stuff and then hear, hear that song, you can definitely hear the correlation of, you know, us, us, the, the mixture of worlds and the fact that, you know, I just always have like such a thing that I bring. I think uh, when I when I'm working with other people, which is the jazz influence, you know. Well, you know, you started out in Atlanta and you moved to Nashville, and now you're coming back to Atlanta. So, what was the reasoning why you went to Nashville, and what is the reasoning why you're coming back? No, so I still live in Nashville. I've just been playing a couple shows in town. And, you know, I've been doing a residency at this place called The Deep Inn, which is over by Pont City Market, which is amazing because that's over where I used to live. I used to live in Cabbage Town, for anybody who knows Atlanta very well. I do know Cabbage Town, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I used to live in the Stacks. And so um, I love being over there. So we've been playing a little bit of a residency. And um, we just wanted to to play a couple shows in town because I have so many, you know, friends and 
listeners in the area, and it just felt fitting to have Atlanta be one of the places that, one of the first places that I'm really exposing the music and uh, kind of bringing it back home, if you will. But I still live in Nashville, yeah. Oh, okay. I was understanding you were coming back to Atlanta. I was like, why are you leaving Music City to come back to Atlanta? Not that Atlanta's not Music City, <laughs> but there's a very specific type of artist that ha- that you have to be in order to survive here in Atlanta. And most of it is, you know, revolves around hip-hop and R&B and soul and funk, which is, what, which is kind of what we do here. But I... I completely see how your music would fit into Atlanta real well so I you know I don't have any reservations with that as far as that's concerned now (laughs) the the album features songs like triple x selfish and boomerang which are really kind of really kind of like club banger type of type of songs um and then you have other ones that are really laid back like the ones you had talked about Mr. Valentine and Cry and there's another song called Ordinary and being a vocalist myself and have been doing it for many, many years, sometimes when you're on stage and you're performing, you get in a zone when you're singing a particular song. And one of the, the styles of music for me that I, I just, once I start singing it, I just, it just gets really, really carried away. It, I, I feel myself just getting lost in it is when I start doing anything that kind of has like a Southern soul to it, like a Chris Stapleton or a Van Morrison type of thing. I feel like I'm just, I, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I kind of go over a hill into a space where I'm not thinking about lyrical content. I'm not thinking about the crowd. I am just in, I am in this song. I'm in this element. And what style of music, cause you kind of hit on a lot of different things. Is, is it the club stuff that really, kind of sets you off into that zone or is it more the the orchestral maybe the the more laid back stuff like the the amy winehouse style of things that you do that that puts you in that zone which one speaks to you more yeah i think well i love all the songs so much and they're all so different but in terms of performing them live i definitely have a really big connection to the more laid back songs but ordinary and cry and I even do a cover of Britney Spears' Toxic in my set, which is really fun. And the reason I like those songs is, you know, as a singer, as you're saying, you can really, you know, especially on a slower song, I think the pace is slower. You're you're kind of more focused on each word, each note. Sometimes when you're singing maybe the bigger songs like XXX or Boomerang or these types of songs, you're just so caught in the moment of dancing and interacting with the audience. But when you're singing a song like Cry, which is out now, you really hone into each moment, each word that you're saying, because it's so slow and so dramatic. So definitely those, I would say, I definitely kind of go into, you know, another world a bit. Now, is there a particular song that you guys are really focused on, that the label is really focused on pushing forward? Because is there one song or a couple of songs that are really super strong standouts in their opinion that they feel could really grab I mean, what what specific song do you feel like people should be watching for in the near future here yeah well you know the three songs that i have out right now are our songs called cry xxx and mr valentine and the reason we wanted to put out those songs is because they're a fantastic representation of what you can expect from me in 2019 from with new music from my album and so those are really my focus right now and really just kind of getting people familiar with me and what I do and what they can expect. But I have, I'm have i really, really excited for the songs that will come out in 2019. I can't share which ones those will be because it's a bit of a surprise. But, but really, I would say just for anybody who wants to know what I do and my sound, 
I would listen to the ones that I have out right now because I think they're a really great representation of, you know, what I do and what you can expect from me in the future and with new music. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing the entire album because it was very, very intriguing because it, when I first heard it right out of the gate, I thought to myself, she is definitely has a massive influence from Amy Winehouse because if anybody is a huge Amy Winehouse fan, I would highly suggest checking out Anna because your voice and just the the character that you put and the uh, intonations that you put on your voice are very, very, very much Amy Winehouse. And was that... Do you feel like that's the na- just the natural tone that your voice went to, or you're paying homage to her in a you know specific way because it is very strongly resemblant of Amy Winehouse? Well, thank you so much. Amy is definitely a big inspiration to me, and she always has been. But um, you know, I would say almost even more like when I was listening to this album, I really was digging into the '30s, '40s, you know, into the Billie Holiday, the Judy Garland, those of the world. Uh, one thing that I love about Amy is she she really focused on kind of that Motown era of jazz. And I think when you listen to my music, the difference is that you know we focus a little bit more on the influence of '30s, '40s, especially with the different horn arrangements that we have going on. And there's literally no guitar on any of my songs, really. So it's a bit different there. But of course, Amy Winehouse is a huge influence of mine. And another interesting thing that you asked me, which I talked about this with people all the time, because people always ask me, you know, you know, how do you sing like that? How do I become a singer? What should I do? You know, these questions. And, you know, my answer is, no, I didn't always sing this way. I've always had that kind of nasally tone, of course. But I think, you know, a lot of just listening to that old school style really influenced me. But I think there's something really amazing that comes with practice and, and listening to something that inspires you because I'm one of the people who, people don't always agree with this, but I think that almost anybody can actually sing. I think that it's just about finding your voice. I mean, when you think of artists like Johnny Cash or even like rappers and stuff, they're not singing, but they're still singing in a way. You know, they're they're being rhythmic and lyrical. So you don't have to be Beyonce to be an amazing singer. So I think it's all about finding your voice. And for me, finding my voice came with listening to a lot of that 30s, 40s, you know, crooners era jazz. And so, yeah, it was kind of a bit of a journey, but I've definitely always had a bit of a nasally tone though for sure yeah i think that's actually would be a really good direction for you to to tap into at some point in time in your career is to do at least a couple album jaunt where you are because we i mean as as a fan of sinatra and the rad pack and and all that we have our we have plenty of of people that we could turn to whether it be michael buble or whoever else to fill that void when we want to have that style. But from a female perspective, you know, there aren't any artists that are recreating that era in, in a really good, tangible way. And and you, you certainly would fit into that niche. And I think that that's one of the, and that's one of those things that I think a lot of musicians miss is because they're like, Oh, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to have a good, good time doing it and that's all fine and dandy but at the end of the day it's about making money and being successful and getting traction and the best way that you can do that is by really targeting a niche that you love that you're passionate about and really kind of just hammering it and getting to a point where you locked yourself in i mean 
this album is a great representation of your your full capabilities, but I think, you know, going down the line, what would be really, really great is for you really to hone in on some of those passions and some of those influences that you mentioned, because I can easily see you being able to pull this off in a, and just your stature and the way that you carry yourself just from the photos and things that I've seen, I can easily see you pulling this off and being the next female version of like a buble type of vibe. And I, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing what's coming out and hearing some of the new stuff. And uh, that's just my personal opinion. You're taking or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. No, those are all great compliments. And I'll say this. I definitely have a project planned down the line. I call it my Joanne moment, my Lady Gaga Joanne moment, when I am definitely going to go and do a really classic album. And I think it's going to be a real surprise to people what this album really entails. And I don't know when it's going to happen, and I don't know. You know, there's absolutely no timeline. I've literally just been, you know, telling people that I wanted to do this for years. But eventually one day you will definitely hear something big band from me. I'll say that. Well, that's great. <laughs> and it'll be my Joanne moment for sure. <laughs> All right, so, so when is this album coming out? So this album doesn't have a release date right now. You know, we are, it's really interesting because right now in pop music, you know, people are so not focused on albums. It's really more about singles and kind of... You were such fast listeners these days. But I do have a full album's worth of music ready to roll. And I think right now we're just really focused on releasing the songs in good time and really just taking our time, also just cultivating a good base of people who enjoy the music. Because once, once you put the album out, then it's out, you know, and you don't have any more cards left to play. And so um, we're just taking our time with it and really wanted to grow that base of listeners kind of slowly and organically and, uh, you know, just hold on to our cards and, and play them as, uh, as it feels right. But I think probably in the next year we could see that, but I definitely don't have a date as of right now. Well, I can tell you that I'm looking forward to it no matter when it comes out. I think that's a really good strategy because you're right about the whole single vibe that's going on with, with music nowadays. It, it's an interesting approach. It's definitely different. I mean, technically, we've always kind of been like that. When you think about MTV kind of releasing singles one by one via video, you know, this is something that's kind of always been in the works about how they distribute music and how they push it out to the public. But I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day to hang out with us. I appreciate it so much. Of course. I really enjoyed our conversation. I definitely want to put some of these songs in rotation on the radio show so people can check you out and kind of get into, just get ready for it. Because you're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for the support. These People like you who are, you know, willing to help artists who are just on the come up. I really appreciate it. And I know that, you know, it's kind of stepping out on a limb a bit at times to support a new artist, but it goes extremely far away with us, you know, because I can speak for, I'm sure, every other new artist out there. It's hard to find people like you who are willing to kind of put their put their neck on the line a bit, but that's how that's how new music gets out there. If it wasn't for people like you, I don't know. I don't know how new people would even hear new music. So I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak with me. Well, I appreciate those kind words, and I'm looking forward to you being on the radio alongside of Dua Lipa and all the other stuff that's out <laughs> there that uh, you are definitely going to overshadow big time. I'm looking forward to it. But <laughs> Hey, let's hope. Let's hope. Let's do it. Uh, it's coming. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for hanging out with us, and 
Funkatopians, you know what to do. Keep an ear out and keep listening, and we'll make sure that we let you know when that album drops. Thank you, Anna. All right. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye.